Welcome to Navigating Change, everybody. I'm Pete Wright, and we're back this week with the second part of our conversation on finding your calling as we officially wrap up summer and cruise headlong into fall. This week, we're picking up where we left off with a few quick but important observations. What is the role of unconditional commitment to a cause in determining your calling? How well are we living that commitment as a responsibility to change the world of our students for the better? What skills are we teaching and demonstrating that equip our students to expertly navigate uncertainty? We're running it right around 17 minutes today, so we hope you're able to join us as we sit back and reflect. You know, if you say, what's my calling? Yeah, right. My calling lives in getting people to recognize and live their passion. That inspires me. I remember talking to a musician once, and he said, one of the reasons why I live in this world of being a musician is I have no other option. When you look at the rest of the world what's out there for me, there's no other option. In some ways, closing off those other options allow you to invest. So, you know, I'm studying and working with Fernando Flores, and I just listened to a podcast with him and Hubert Dreyfus talking about unconditional commitment. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase. What does it mean to have an unconditional commitment? You don't have a choice, but not like a choice like it's a burden. You don't have a choice like it's a burden. It's more like you have your calling. It's it's a responsibility. My, my, My place in this world. Right is based on a responsibility to make the change in it that I see needs to be made. Yes, exactly. I can't do anything else. So my next question would be, how do we help each other be conscious and living our calling? I mean, the thing I see about you is, in working with you, which has been fantastic, is your capacity to keep iterating and improving and looking for how to make a bigger impact. When we are really at our best, what we're doing is not focusing on doing a good podcast. Right. What we have is we have something that provokes others to do something. Your and my life journey, in the end, I would suggest, is about will we look back and say, were we on that journey of producing the impact that we were looking? And we don't even know what it is yet. I know that five years from now, I cannot anticipate right now what's going to have showed up in the work with you, in my work. And I think that's true for all of us. I think so too. I, I think what we've, you know, what we endeavor to do here is to create a conduit, a channel to be able to, you know, if you look at in specifically in my calling, it's, it's to create a channel that helps people make sense of the world in light of something that I'm passionate about. And we both are obviously quite passionate about, uh, but but to magnify enthusiasm of others mm. in a way that helps make sense of the current climate, economy, student success, you know, those yes. sorts of issues that we're trying to, that, that we're trying to participate in making better. Yeah. Right. I think this is where universities and colleges are failing, and I'll tell you what I mean. There's so much focus on sustainability. Yeah. There's so much focus on how do we remain relevant and viable? And that lives in marketing. It lives in how we tell our story. But there's a place where students are graduating and they have developed certain skills or knowledge, but not necessarily skills in navigating the world. So if you look at, recently we did the podcast with Devorah Lieberman, 
at University of Laverne, majoring in admission, is a tagline that when students come in, that's a question they get asked. What does it mean for you to major in a mission? Why is that? That's something that you've obviously been thinking about a lot. Why did that hit you? Well, it's the same the reason eyes? that Beth Paul at Capital University, new president there, being purpose ready. Mm -hmm. Telling students that it's not going to be about the knowledge you're going to accumulate here. It's that you're ready for something that you've got, that you're going to uncover some kind of mission, thing that matters to you in the process of your learning. I think that's an important idea. Now, there's a lot, all these sub-conversations about, well, at 18 or, you know, 19, what, you know, when you think back, you and I, yeah. were, did, did we have any concern about our mission? But I think those are seeds that we need to sow for those, that four-year experience and also for the emerging greater population of students that are older that ties directly to this question of what kind of skills do we need today that allow them to navigate increasing uncertainty? I don't think universities are teaching that. And part of it is it's not just the arms race. It's the structure of how universities have historically been put together to say, you're going to accumulate this knowledge. We're going to give this to you. You're going to have a piece of paper, and then you have what you need. It's not true anymore. I wonder how much of this, and this is, you know, when you think about the institutions you work with, how much of that, which I'm going to call the spirit of education, how much of the spirit of education was lost in the search for efficiency of delivering education? That's an interesting conversation. That efficiency conversation has always been around, how do we do it as administrators? Mm -hmm. And as administrative bloat continued to increase, as we made our universities larger and needed to manage more, I think that became more of a focus. Like if we're going to have all these additional staff supporting faculty and administration and, and all the mechanics of this enterprise, we now need to be more conscious of how we're efficient and effective. That has taken away from the focus on what's right for the student. So what I'm interested in, in learning more of us, how do we help students with the background of how they're showing up in these conversations? I'm not suggesting we change higher education to move from knowledge just to this other domain. I think we have to find ways to incorporate this sense of accelerating technology, accelerating change, the fact that after four years, the, the discipline that you've been learning might change and you have to learn a whole new set of skills, that you're not coming out with knowledge. You, you need to come out of here with the capacity to be a learner. Lifelong learning used to be a nice idea. Yeah. Now it's necessary. We've said in a past show, and I'm, I'm sure in a coming show, that there is a sense that when we're finished with the five-year degree, with conferring the degree four-year, five-year degree, that we're not finished. Back to this idea of calling and President Lieberman's discussion around majoring in a mission, like that's a pivot. And I'm, I'm thinking more about it in the, in the work that I do in the classroom around not just here are the mechanics of the subject that we're, that we're talking about, here are the resources and here's a starting point for you to do your own research and, and you know, turn the classroom and all these sorts of great things that we're talking about right now, but but how to show by example, more personal example, how to use 
the information that we're digesting in the classroom to make better, smarter decisions. So we had Ricardo St. Martin on talking about plant-based meat. He learned that navigating working together and being a student himself as a teacher is a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And that's something he never gave himself permission to do. And he's learning how to be that way. You know, so how is how are you a student, Pete, in your own teaching? Is that present for you? Or do you find like you have to remind yourself, wait a second, I don't have to be the guy with the answers here. I can be the guy with the questions and we're going to explore those questions together. I think it's really easy to fall into being the expert. It is. And I think that's a, the, the same thing happens in the boardroom. The same thing happens certainly in the administrative offices. And I, I can absolutely, uh, you know, support the statement. It's hard every day to walk into a classroom and to say, I don't have the answer. What I have. Why is that, why is that hard? Uh, because we're conditioned to say, I have the answer. Right, I have the answer. I've read and digested the textbook many times. I I know what the research says. I know what the generally accepted experts in the field say. But what I'm trying to to say now is, I don't have the answer. I have an answer that has served a lot of people. You all in this classroom, you all in this boardroom, you all on staff may find a better answer. I have to be open to hearing that. Yeah, that's part of it. You make it possible for for people to take a risk mm -hmm. and say, I don't see it that way. Right. And it's okay when you hear that, when you hear I don't see it that way, to explore, not to shut down, to navigate, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, do you think it's too early to start asking 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, it's conditioning at any age. You know, my kids went to this Chinese immersion school, yeah. and it, it was a tremendous experience. But what I love so much about it is, and for those who are listening who have younger kids who haven't explored the PYP program, the primary peers, primary years program from the International Baccalaureate uh, Organization, it, it is a foundational experience unlike many that I have seen. And I love it. The kids learn about, in, in Chinese in this case, they're studying it in this target language, but they're learning about the world, they're learning about the environment, they're learning about ecosystems, they're learning about culture, and then at the end of their fifth grade year, we all go to China, and they have a project that they are researching. We stand in these parks, and the, these kids in small teams go out and talk to Chinese people in the park and interview them to collect data. And they come back to school at the end of their two-week trip and they digest the data and they create their charts and graphs and they mm. ask themselves, how does our human impact relate to the world? And how old are these kids? Fifth grade. Okay, there we so go. So you say 18 and I say, man, yeah. hold my beer. Like there are kids who, the kids are, are ready for more earlier, I believe it. Yeah. Maybe it's because of the, the sort of technology they have access to. Uh, it was a story we just heard, you know, uh, uh, you know, two adults are having a conversation and they come up with a question that they can't answer. And the 10-year-old son says, uh, whips out his phone and finds the answer and reads it and then ends his response with, how does it feel to have grown up in the age of ignorance? This child asks the adults. I think that's I love brilliant, that. right? It changes the way we have to think about yeah. these developing brains, and I think we're I think we undersell them uh, around just about uh, just about every corner. So well, so here's what I'd start because, you know, when I think about a conversation that I'm not accustomed to, I would consider myself to be a beginner in that conversation, right? 
So I, I, I'm i a beginner in a conversation, you know, what is my calling? Now, I may have called it different things at different times, but what I would say to anybody, and I'm saying this to myself, is I don't need to have an answer for that. It's so easy to want to go from this question to having an answer. Yeah. So now you leave the podcast and go, okay, let me take a few minutes and write down what's my calling. No, stay in the question. Recognize that this is, this is not a question, it's like a muscle we haven't developed. Mm-hmm. Like what does it mean to be open to this question, is there a calling that I'm living that I'm not even conscious of? Is there something that is showing up in my world where I go, that's where, that's the area I want to have impact, and allow it to emerge versus what I historically would do is I would take this and put it on a task list. And I will still do that. That is like automatic for me. This is the thing I'm trying to train myself out of, is turn everything into a task. Turn everything into an item to, to be able to check off. Tuesday. That's my life. Define calling. Tuesday. <laughs> 8 a.m. Tuesday. That's right. <laughs> have the calling ready to share. By and, Friday. And, and, and basically have lived it fully. And what I'd invite anybody listening to do is to be saying, all right, let me let me start a conversation with some others. It's a really great question. What is it, what does it mean for you to have a calling? And and to listen and have it show up in small group conversations if you can. Think about a team and, and how often we hear teams feel like we don't feel connected to the mission. We're just doing our job. We're processing payroll. There's nothing wrong with processing pay. That's an important processing task. has to be done, right? No, it's going to be more than that. It's taking care of people, Yeah. right? At the same time, what does it mean to ask yourself, what about this work that we spend a third of our lives doing? And I would say for people to say, you know what? Not only am I not living my calling, I can't find value in what I'm doing. Yeah. And what I'd want for people, and this is, what's, this is a mantra I always share, do something else. Life is too short. Yeah. And there's a lot of good reasons not to make a change. Some yeah. very legitimate, right? Yeah. I, I think for a lot of us, particularly in leadership roles, once you get to that point, your identity is awfully heavily tied to to well, you know what you do. I can't do I can't take the risk to do something different because people are relying on me and I have an obligation, usually financially to be doing this. But I right. think that in many ways, if we look at that critically and we're willing to take a risk, it's usually a sign excuse. you've never looked at it critically. Right, it usually. Yeah, if you can, if you, you end it, up, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and take a step back and have that conversation with yourself and with your family and with your peers. Who and are maybe this is where it starts. Yeah, you, you may come to the decision, hey. Am I happy with yeah. what I'm doing? Right. Right? Maybe as we get older, this question of calling also becomes more important because we have less time. Right. In life, to be able to say, what do we still want to get done? And that's why I think it's such a great conversation. Uh, in, in my personal experience, I had to get to a point of, of longing and, frankly, sorrow that I wasn't doing a thing. Yeah, sometimes you have to— aware of it. I did, wasn't even aware that I was right. as despondent as I was right. uh, until I reached a certain depth. Sometimes of, that's what it takes, yeah, yeah. is to see you're not living yeah. your calling or you're not happy to make— a big change. Right. Job is a job. A job is a job. Major in the mission. Major in the mission. Purpose ready. Purpose ready. I love those two. Me too. So, We're going to go get tattoos after this. 
This is such a beautiful day here today. It is a lovely day. This has been a great conversation, Howard. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your time. And uh, we certainly appreciate the time and attention of every one of you who's downloaded and listened to the show. Yeah, hopefully uh, people are taking away something where they go, all right, that's a nugget yeah. that I can take into my world and do something with or even reflect on. Yeah, reflect and observe. That's, that's, that's the new mantra. Thanks, everybody. We are, uh, we're wrapping up our vacation here. So next time we're back in the saddle, it'll sound much less, you know, birdie. I like this sound. <laughs> it's like we're out in nature, Pete. That's that's uh, not something that we do. Maybe how it right. is camp camp pod camping. Once a year, we do a podcast where anybody who has any level of impatience has stopped listening a long, long time ago. But you know what? We're okay with that. So we have two listeners. Things that are important to us. We we sure hope that for the two of you who are listening, uh, <laughs> that, that these have become important to you. Uh, and, and share your stories. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, on behalf of Howard Teibel, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll catch you next time on Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel Education. Mm-hmm.